It's Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, how to have the best odds of becoming a fossil after you die. Plus, the creators of the viral Marcel the Shell videos secretly made a feature-length film that's coming out this summer. And a few other recommendations you can stream right now. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. Have you ever thought about what'll happen after you die? And I don't mean that in a, like, is there an afterlife kind of way, or even the Keanu Reeves, the ones who love us will miss us kind of way. No, today I'm talking about what will happen to your body after you die. If you're not cremated, might your body one day become a fossil that future generations could discover to learn about our present? Spend enough time reading about fossils and archaeological digs, and it's likely to be something that passes through your mind at least once. Lifelong fossil fan Richard Fisher recently wondered the same thing and set out to figure out how exactly he might be able to make himself into a fossil. He wrote about his findings recently in BBC Future, mostly getting insight from Professor of Macroevolution Jacob Vinther, who, it turns out, has thought a lot about this subject and is even considering writing a book about it. So the first reality check in this whole mostly thought experiment is that it is highly, highly unlikely that any of us will become fossils, even if we follow all these best practices. A previous BBC Future article on the topic noted, quote, Every fossil is a small miracle. As author Bill Bryson notes in his book A Short History of Nearly Everything, only an estimated one bone in a billion gets fossilized. By that calculation, the entire fossil legacy of the 320-odd million people alive in the U.S. today will equate to approximately 60 bones, or a little over a quarter of a human skeleton. But that's just the chance of getting fossilized in the first place. Assuming this handful of bones could be buried anywhere in the U.S.'s 9.8 million square kilometers, then the chances of anyone finding these bones in the future are almost non-existent. Fossilization is so unlikely that scientists estimate that less than one-tenth of one percent of all the animal species that have ever lived have become fossils. Far fewer of them have been found. End quote. And Fisher reemphasizes that means the majority of species that have ever lived have not been preserved in the fossil record. Not individual organisms, entire species. The majority of species that ever lived on Earth went away without leaving a single trace. Or at least, we haven't discovered them yet. For a fossil to get discovered depends hugely on location, both in terms of future beings' ability to find it without, say, having to drill deep beneath the earth, and in terms of the specimen itself actually being preserved. If you were fine just being a sub-fossil, anything under 50,000 years old, you could ensure your body is entombed somewhere frozen, like in the alpine glaciers, or in a desert cave sealed off from predators, or even in a peat bog. But these would be short-term sub-fossilization, in which you'd get discovered and studied within the coming decades, maybe, by future scientists. You might get lucky and last a few hundred or thousand years, as human specimens have been discovered in those conditions, but Vinther explained that those conditions would not lead to the mineralization of your remains, or those conditions wouldn't last long enough themselves. Ice doesn't last millions of years, he points out. Vinther says the key is picking somewhere you would get wet, buried, and avoid getting eaten. The best place? Underwater. 
specifically on the ocean floor, far enough out that you won't get moved around by waves or animals, but also not so deep that there's too little sediment to bury you. Vinther rather hauntingly says that there are probably humans in the process of being fossilized in this way right now, since we've been sailing for so many centuries and, you know, there were a lot of shipwrecks and people being made to walk the plank and whatnot. Really gives me a whole new perspective on the Our Flag Means Death show that I've been watching. There's also this absolutely wild note, quote, In such marine settings, there's also the small possibility of becoming a golden fossil. Fisher writes, If I got buried in iron-rich mud in seawater that contained enough sulfate, along with sulfate-reducing bacteria, then my body could be converted into pyrite. Your soft tissues can more or less become replaced by that in three dimensions, Venther says, end quote. So, like, there could be pirates out there whose bodies are being fossilized into fool's gold. Seems almost too perfect to be true. But the bad news for scrawny white dudes like myself and Fisher, muscles and melanin are both helpful contributors to preservation. Melanin is less likely to break down over time, and muscle tissue can be preserved by releasing phosphates. And the other thing, as pointed out by the previous BBC article, is that for any of this to work, you'd also have to bypass a coffin. That's pretty much the only way for your bones to interact with the minerals around you and eventually harden into a fossil. And this might prove to be tough, as I recently learned from a Mental Floss article about why you can't actually keep a loved one's skull even if you got it in writing from them as their wish before dying, most jurisdictions have abuse of corpse laws, which prohibit funeral homes from handing over any parts of the body. They also have to submit a burial and transit permit for each body, and the options on that form do not include gave one of the bones to late spouse or buried raw in hopes of becoming a fossil. So your best bet might be to go the route Fisher ultimately did, covering some of his old toenail clippings in liquid epoxy along with a note on a stone that reads, Hello from 2022. This is a similar method to preserving a specimen in amber, which we're all familiar with from Jurassic Park. Of course, if you really want to increase your odds, you'll probably want to drop that hardened epoxy specimen into the ocean, not just bury it in your backyard, as Fisher ultimately ended up doing, because, quote, the ocean has far too much plastic in it already, end quote. Though Venter, when asked if a human body completely covered in polyurethane and buried on the ocean floor would be preserved, pointed out that not only would it probably work, but also it would be, quote, morbidly emblematic of the plastic-rich early Anthropocene, end quote. Harsh burn. But yeah, while the odds of many of us becoming fossils does seem pretty low, you know what probably will survive for eons? Our cell phones. Quoting again from that earlier article, Plastics, other oil-derived products that don't biodegrade, and inert metals like alloys, gold, and rare metals of the kind found in mobile phones all might last millions of years. Glass is durable, too, and can withstand high temperatures and pressures. You can imagine finding the outlines or shapes of smartphones, taphonomist Caitlin Symes says. Paleontologist Mike Archer notes that the durability of glass means you could chisel enjoy on a small sheet of glass in a concrete coffin with your body, and it would be there to find with your fossil, end quote. Or you could use a laser to write out a whole letter. 
I'd go for some kind of practical joke, but maybe a better route would be an apology for how our species destroyed so much of the planet. That is, assuming beings millions of years from now could even decode our writing, or that they would be interested in finding us at all. This news is either something that will be one of the most heartwarming and unexpected blasts from the past ever, or make absolutely no sense. But just go with me here, because you are about to receive a wonderful gift. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, the viral YouTube series from 2010, is getting its own movie. But unlike many YouTube to feature film attempts, this isn't some cash grab. Marcel's original creators, filmmaker Dean Fleischer-Camp and actor Jenny Slate, worked on the movie in secret for years to avoid outside pressure from fans online or studio involvement. And part of that was more practical, too. They worked on the movie in fits and starts over a period of about five years. They weren't sure how long it would ultimately take and wanted the freedom to execute it exactly as they wanted to. And their caution here was not unfounded. When the one-inch-tall stop-motion animated shell with a big, curious eye and oversized sneakers first hit YouTube back in 2010, the world immediately fell in love with him. And Fleischerkamp and Slate were thrust into the world of talk show interviews, studio offers, and book deals. At the Telluride Film Festival, where the new movie debuted last fall, Fleischerkamp said of that time period after the initial video went viral, quote, We fielded a lot of offers and heard people out. I didn't know what I was doing as a filmmaker back then. I could see it getting out of hand, and we could end up making a project that I didn't relate to because the character has such broad appeal. He's cute and has bright colors. Certain people in the industry will see it in a certain way and wonder if it could be a ride at Disneyland. We really wanted to protect it. We literally did meetings where some studio heads said, oh, it would be great if he fought crime with Ryan Reynolds. This is a character who's very dear to us. Everyone we met when this was first a sensation was paying attention to the wrong thing by seeing it as IP, end quote. The original videos are a kind of mockumentary style, in which Marcel, voiced by Slate, shows us around his home, occasionally answering or asking questions of Fleischer Camp, who is behind the camera. Marcel tells us how he navigates the world as a tiny, one-eyed shell. He uses a raisin as a beanbag, hang glides from Doritos, and pretends a clump of lint is his pet dog. The strained shell voice and quiet comedy is clever and oddly touching, so I guess I shouldn't have been so surprised how emotional I got watching the trailer for the feature film. The new film follows a similar mockumentary style, with Fleischer Camp playing a fictional version of himself mostly behind the camera. In the film, we learn that most of Marcel's family have gone missing, accidentally taken when the former human occupants of the house moved out, and he now lives with just his grandmother. Eventually, he embarks on a plan to find his family, bolstered by his newfound internet fame, which we also see him grapple with. Kate Erbland underscored the surprising pathos of the stop-motion film in her review in IndieWire, quote, In a time beset with films consumed by questions of connection, community, and change, Marcel the Shell seamlessly marries big ideas with charm and humor, and inventive stop-motion work to boot. In short, it's the cutest film about familial grief you'll see all year, perhaps ever. As Marcel wrestles with his newfound fame, the film grapples with the functionality of the internet. Marcel gets hung up on important ideas early on, the difference between an audience and a community, 
a sage observation about the nature of internet notoriety. But while Fleischerkamp and Slate keep the humor rolling, Marcel's wide-eyed observations are comedic gold, a deep pain simmers under the surface. Shaky flashbacks reveal the full extent of what the shells have endured, complete with an ill-conceived shelter plan that ultimately tore the clan apart. As Marcel shuffles through his missing family's rooms and wonders about his absent neighbors, it's impossible not to reflect back on the last few months of human existence. The world has known so much loss in 2020 and 2021, and while the grief of Marcel and Nana Connie would always be pronounced, Slate and Fleischer Camp bring such texture and care to them, these days, it feels even more rich. Yes, we're still talking about a movie about stop-motion shells, but soon, you will be too. End quote. After premiering at Telluride, the movie was picked up by A24 for distribution and is set to hit theaters on June 24th. But in the meantime, you can watch the trailer and all three original videos at the links in the show notes. Just get ready to fall in love with a tiny little shell and his big shoes and even bigger heart. Well, because I am no longer a cool and hip young person, I watch Saturday Night Live not when it airs, but in small chunks over the course of Sunday and Monday, which means it was only last night that I saw Pete Davidson's latest music video for the show, in which he, fellow cast member Chris Redd, musical guest Gunna, and actor Simon Rex rap about the glory that is short movies. Not like actual shorts, but anything that is at the more respectable 90-minute range for a film length. The video itself has the slightly more crude, but also funnier title of Short Ass Movies. Now, having done an episode of this show last month about movies seeming to be quite a bit longer these days, I was really here for this video. It's a good one. And well, Netflix responded yesterday by creating a new short-ass movies category on the platform, which they tweeted to SNL. On it, you can find a wide selection of movies divided up by genre that do not exceed one hour and 40 minutes. Now, when I talked about the recent and historical trends toward longer films last month, I wondered about whether the trend will continue or if we may see a trend back towards shorter movies, specifically in terms of more and more movies jumping to streaming sooner, if not starting out there to begin with. You know, what is the overall consumer preference for length when watching a movie at home, especially when all the parties involved don't have to worry about commercials and other cable TV restrictions? I could see it going in either direction, you know, longer and longer movies or shorter ones. But based on the existence of and reception to this music video, I'm thinking there might be a bigger demand for shorter movies than I realized. Also, in the best instance of targeted advertising I've experienced in a while, while reading an article about Marcel the Shell, I learned there is a new Tony Hawk documentary premiering on HBO Max tonight. It's called Tony Hawk Until the Wheels Fall Off. Whether you're into skateboarding or not, Tony Hawk is a pretty interesting person, not least of which because he's somehow made himself so unremarkable these days that strangers never realize they're actually meeting him, even when they tell him, you look so much like that Tony Hawk guy. And the documentary looks like it addresses his original outsider status within skateboarding and how he struggled to find his footing within the, as he calls it, drug of fame. 
pretty stoked to check it out. But that is it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.